Well, good morning, Gateway. My name is John Ng, and I'm one of the grow pastors here at Gateway South. And I think for some of us, when we see that video clip, it brings us back to these great, fond memories of watching the Friends sitcom. But for others, as we see it, um, maybe it actually unsettled you a little bit this morning because you're going through relational trouble. You're trying to figure out your way forward. On another level, that scene actually captures something else altogether as well. Not just interpersonally, person to person, but community to community. Sometimes we face these tensions that feel so irreconcilable, don't we? And my heart does go out to you if you're you know, trying to figure out a relationship or if you're sitting in a place of pain today. When we think about the tensions that we experience in our life, the arguments, the conflicts, the places where we hit an impasse, it's really natural at times, I find myself doing this all the time actually, to wonder how did we get here? How did we get to this place? And I'm not a licensed counselor in any respect, but I would submit to you that before there was any dissonance, before there was any conflict, there was a connection that we had with one another. Something that brought us together in a community or a relationship. If you think about the first episode of Friends, what happens? Right? Rachel is running out of a wedding that she doesn't want to be a part of. That circumstance brings her into this coffee shop. As she steps in, she has the opportunity for connection with old and new friends. Right? It's not that different for us. Our circumstances drive our connections, right? The fact that my college best friends are my best friends, a lot of it was driven by the fact that we just happened to be in the same place at the same time, and we connected. We clicked. So our relational threads actually are dependent on some of our circumstances, aren't they? And they do thread together to form our bonds our childhood best friends, our families, our communities here in Austin. And it's kind of like one of our favorite sweaters, right? We love wearing our favorite sweaters except in hot Austin summers. And this is not my sweater. But we enjoy wearing sweaters at the right time. What happens, though, when we take this sweater, right, in our relationships and then we hit a snag? right? This was from Goodwill, so it wasn't that expensive. <laughs> but we are going to go there today, Gateway, and it's, it's a hard and difficult topic, I understand, for some of us. When the strings of our relationship begin to come undone like the sweater, what do you do? When you see threads unraveling in your community, in your maybe love relationship, it's hard for us sometimes to take a hold of God's invitation for reconciliation, for justice. But God calls us to be a picture and a preview of God's coming kingdom. We are called to be a reconciled people together. It's just hard to take a hold of that invitation, though, sometimes, isn't it? Because I've experienced snags, right? You've experienced snags. We've seen our communities just unravel more and more. We see threads breaking apart, and the entire sweater sometimes coming apart at the seams. My, um, 
car has actually hit a couple of relational snags. I have named my car um, Stormcloud. I hope that one day it will live up to its name and bring some storms into Austin. But here's the thing. Stormcloud has gone through a couple of run-ins. One day when I was out in Pasadena, California, it was the victim of a hit and run. I had parked my car next to the seminary classrooms, went to class, and then when I came back, to my great surprise and my frustration, I saw that my car had been rammed into. There was no note, no phone number. The front left bumper of my car was just completely smashed in. And I was like, what? Like, who, who does that? Why, why just leave and not take some responsibility for the damage that you have done? But then in that same moment, I had to go back in my own life and I realized, wow, John, like you've actually done that too, haven't you? In high school, I loved the idea of driving fast. My parents had a great sense of humor, so they gave me their Dodge Grand Caravan. <laughs> but every once in a while, they actually would let me drive their Volvo S80, and it was an awesome sedan. It picked up a lot faster than my minivan, and um, even though my friends felt sorry and they added this little, um, I think it's called an exhaust tip to my van, it didn't make me feel any better. But man, when I got into the Volvo, I was, I was cooking, right? Like I would, I would hit the gas pedal and it would just pick up so much faster. And Volvos aren't even that fast. So one day I wanted to get out of the parking lot and head out to lunch. So I gunned it. I'm on the road. And all of a sudden I think, I actually want to take a left-hand turn instead of going forward. And so I, I zoom past two cars and I cut them both off. And in the next moment, I see the light change in front of me to red. So I slam onto the brakes. And behind me and in my rearview mirror, I see these two cars colliding with one another. Back bumper, front bumper, in this cataclysmic collision. And I'm freaking out because I know that I was the one who cut both of these cars off. I panic. I start wondering to myself, what do I do? And so the light eventually turns green. And in my fear, I decide I'm just going to go. I up and leave the scene. And some of you, as you hear that, you're thinking, what a jerk. How could this guy be our pastor? <laughs> and we'll come back to that story. That's a fair question, too. <laughs> But when you hear that story, I, I probably would be right in thinking that you see a little bit of yourself in that story, don't you? Maybe you were the one who up and left a relationship. Or they, whoever they are, up and left you. Wherever you are on that side, we're still left with these pieces that just keep on unraveling and keep on breaking. So what do you do when you see that favorite sweater of yours coming undone at the seams, right? It's a really tough question for us to confront because on the personal level, we see that our relationships have hit some snags. We have actually a littering of unreconciled relationships in our lives oftentimes. And on the communal level, we see that our communities now more than ever are divided along so many different lines. Damage keeps on happening. If you've been around any kind of community, you notice this, right? 
Organizations split. Families will continue to fracture. We keep on hitting these snags that we don't know how to take care of. And so we're stuck. We don't know where to go. Our relationships stall out. Our communities begin to suffer. And so case in point, if, if I were to say today, Black Lives Matter, some of us will say, yes, that is so true. And others of us might retort and say, now wait a minute, all lives matter or blue lives matter. And so we begin to throw these grenades and lob them over and around each other. Some of us might even whisper to ourselves, man, can't we just all get along? Is this what God really envisioned for us? When he calls us to be one, what do we do when we see all of these relational snags? As we look into God's word today, uh, we're going to catch wind of relationships that are actually unraveling in scripture. So Paul founded several churches. And when he starts seeing these churches arguing amongst each other and with each other, um, he lays out this grand vision for reconciliation. In 2 Corinthians 5, he writes, we've been given the word or the ministry of reconciliation because God himself has reconciled us to himself. And so that's what God calls us to. In the thick of the drama that Paul is experiencing, even as a church is starting to challenge his own authority, Paul writes about reconciliation and justice. He calls us forward. And it's about, for him, unity, loving across, each other, across the differences, seeing where there's pain and injustice. He calls us forward into this attractive, otherworldly scene. It begins to unfold before us. But for some of us, as we hear it, it's not just unicorns and you know, rainbows that are floating around. It's not all great. Because if we're honest for a moment, Paul's vision for reconciliation today kind of sounds fluffy. For me, it sounds a little bit hollow because when I look at my life, when I look at the tattered pieces that are around me, I just don't know where to go. But for Paul, it's so much more than just a vision. It's not something that rests up in the clouds. He actually encounters God's heart and he goes after it full force, right? In another letter, he writes to a church in Ephesus and he begins to parse out this idea of reconciliation a little bit more. And he focuses on the different groups that are in the church, Gentile Christians and Jewish Christians, who are actually fighting amongst themselves. You can almost hear it coming out of scripture. These people saying Gentile lives matter, Jewish lives matter. So what does Paul do in the midst of these confusing, hard questions when he sees relationships unraveling? Because in a culture that is so divided today, when we look at our relationships and we've realized, man, we've settled for fast food relationships. In our communities, we have acknowledged and kind of accepted the fact that, well, we can just pack up and move on. We like the convenience of changing our circumstances at the slightest provocation that we feel. So in the midst of all of that, is it possible, friends, 
Is it possible that we've actually missed a part of God's heart for us? Is it possible that we are missing a part of God's freedom, God's call for life? As Paul sees these threads unraveling, he could have just left. There were a thousand reasons why he could have done that. He could have said, well, the city of Corinth is just way too immoral. I mean, this was a city known for its off-color sexual practices, for prostitution. In the church itself, there was a, a guy who was shacking up with his stepmom. And these people were bragging about that. This was the kind of mess that Paul entered into. And he could have just laughed. He could have said, well, maybe it wasn't supposed to happen here. Maybe we weren't supposed to start a community. Maybe I should just keep on planting other churches and just abandon this one, toss it by the wayside. But he doesn't do it. He doesn't do it because he sees something different. What do you do in the midst of these unraveling relationships? There's a couple options that I've gravitated to. One of them is the option of actually just ignoring it. So I see a great sweater, and despite the damage, I still choose to wear it. And when we do that, when we put on a broken sweater, we actually ignore justice altogether. We think that we can just sweep it underneath the rug. Let's get along. Let's just pretend that the damage doesn't exist. I know tattered clothings uh, are all the rage these days. On any given Sunday, we can trust that maybe Kyle will show up with his tattered jeans. But that's not what we're talking about today, friends. In premarital counseling, I, I share about how couples, for them to even think about moving past a conflict, they have to acknowledge that there is pain, that there has been wrong, that maybe we have to change some of our behavior. And that's true in our communities too. This is eventually what I had to learn to do with my car fiasco. You remember those two cars that got into that accident? For a long time, I tried to ignore it. I tried to just slap on the sweater and I would literally walk by this individual in my school day in and day out, pretending like nothing had happened. But eventually I slowly started hearing God speaking to my heart and saying, you can't just keep wearing it and ignoring it. I hated that. There was something in my heart that wanted to push against it. But eventually, through all of that internal struggle, I said yes to God. I chose to obey his voice. And so for a season, I actually began to work a part-time job. I saved up. And one day, I called up this individual, and I said, hey, can we get together? We sat, we sat down at a Starbucks. I brought check in hand, and I told her, I'm so sorry that it took so long for me to actually acknowledge the wrong that I had done. And it doesn't always happen this way. As I asked for forgiveness, as I said sorry, and I even offered her the check, she chose to forgive me. She chose to actually release me from the doubt that I owed. Again, it doesn't always happen that way. It takes two of us to be ready for reconciliation. But are we the kind of people that are committed to reconciliation with justice? Or do we want to just keep on wearing that broken sweater? Others of us are okay if we just ignore it altogether, 
right? We look at the broken sweater, and we want to do something like this. We just toss it in the trash can. We move away from it. And so by silence and by ignorance, we just walk away. But there's a problem with that too, isn't there? Right? I get it. Sometimes we have to walk away from a toxic situation or a relationship for our own mental health. But God's call for us is still reconciliation and justice. That is his overarching invitation for each one of us today. Martin Luther King Jr. writes that the, the fact is this. Our lives begin to end the moment, the day that we become silent about the things that matter. The moment we stay silent about things that matter is the moment we stop living. And so for a long time, I actually waffled between these two options, wearing the broken sweater, being silent about brokenness that I saw around me. But there's a third option too. The third option for some of us is that we keep on tugging at the sweater. We grab that sweater and we keep on trying to fix it. We're like, maybe we can do this or that, but inevitably we unravel it even more. We want justice, but we could care less about reconciliation. As long as the people or the person who is wrong gets what he or she deserves, then we're all gravy. But when we do that, we actually forget that Jesus calls us to love our enemies, to love those whom we disagree with. So what do you do? Do you wear that sweater? Do you ignore it? Do you keep on tugging at it? What is your default when your relationships get snagged? We all have one. Check out what Paul says in 2 Corinthians. He writes in chapter 5, verse 16, From now on, therefore, we regard no one from a human point of view. Though we once knew Christ from a human point of view, we know him no longer in that way. In 2 Corinthians, Paul writes that we have to change the way that we see. It's a paradigm shift that he's inviting us into. When the threads of relationship are unraveling in our lives, in our communities, Paul clings to the one thing that keeps these tattered pieces of cloth together. For him, he sees differently. In Ephesians, he keeps on writing, and we discover this truth. Paul writes that Christ sees the body of Christ in us. So friends, we are not sweaters or interchangeable like pieces of clothing. We are not sweaters. You and I are the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. So Ephesians 2, check this out. He says, For Christ himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself a new humanity out of the two thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. So we, the church, are a reconciled people always working out reconciliation among us. Do you believe that today, friends? Do you trust that invitation? Will you walk into it? Because in Christ, we are a sign to each other and to the world of God making all things new taking that which is broken and restoring it and bringing it to glory. 
We are the body of Christ. And in Christ, God has destroyed the barriers that divide us. So that means people who love to make the bed in the morning, like my wife, and people who don't like it, me. (laughs) Introverts and extroverts, females, males, frenemies, enemies, Democrats and Republicans, all have died in Christ because Christ has died for us. And he makes us into one body. And so when God sees our relationships coming undone, when he sees our communities divided on different sides, he doesn't just see a sweater that's been torn apart. He sees his very body damaging itself. And oh, how God yearns for something different. Oh, how we yearn for something different. So what does it mean that God in Christ has actually broken down the dividing walls between us? Well, before we ask that question, let me just talk about what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean that all of a sudden our differences disappear. When we become a child of God, when we enter into the family of God, it doesn't mean all of a sudden that your gender doesn't matter. Your ethnicity, your culture, your background, your personality, even your brokenness, all of those things are still brought into the family of God. And we can't ignore those differences because there's something beautiful about those things, something that God wants for each one of us. Out of that multifaceted identity, God calls you and me to be the body of Christ. So I'm just going to share four A's about what that looks like, what it looks like for us to pursue reconciliation and justice. And it's pretty easy to remember It's a lot harder to live into, but it's so worth it. The first day is acceptance. Acceptance. For us to step into God's heart for us, we have to recognize that I need you. You need me. Without each other, we are never going to become fully our true selves. But with each other, we become more fully, more authentically what God has dreamed up for each and every one of us. And that takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of work in our marriages, in our relationships and friendships. So why would we think that it would be any easier in our communities? We have to commit to belonging to one another. Earlier this year, I had the opportunity and the invitation to step into a men's retreat with some of our Gateway staff. And as I received this invitation, I was wrestling with myself because I grew up in Dallas. I went to Christian communities. I actually went to a Christian school. And it was in these spaces where I heard messages that, John, you do not belong. It was in Christian communities where I heard and experience both subtle and overt racism, where my very being was challenged. And so when I stepped into this retreat, I didn't know what to expect. A part of me was really fearful. But I heard God saying, John, I have something for you here. Maybe an invitation for some of your healing. And so I said yes to that, not knowing what to expect. I jumped into a community where I was the only person of color. And I had to 
in a sense, invite them into my story. I had to invite them to hold some of the pain, to understand part of my journey. They could have rejected that. They could have accepted it. They accepted it. They chose to see me. Some of them have even become advocates for myself. I'm so thankful for that. But it was difficult. It was a little bit awkward for all of us for a time. And the question that God puts out to each one of us is, will you accept each other? Will you see each other in the way that I see you and you and you? Will we accept that invitation? Because the world will tell us that, hey, just protect your own. Protect your own tribe. The, per the person or the people that you most gravitate to. God says, accept yourself in relationship with one another. There's no other way. And so when Jesus shares in his ministry the parable of the Good Samaritan, oftentimes we've lost the shock value that Jesus intended. If we were to modernize that story today, it would actually sound something like the parable of the good Muslim who helps his brother or his sister on the side of the road. That is Jesus' heart for us. So do you see and accept God's image in the people around you today, in communities that don't look like your own? The second is awareness. Can we cultivate an awareness that there are differences among us? Because our social and our historical locations actually matter. We can't ignore them. Even here in Austin, it's a great city. I love the city of Austin. And yet, as we look at our history, we see, even most recently, that there have been places where injustice really has happened, right? We live in a country where communities of color have historically been either overlooked or actually oppressed by some of our laws and our, our systems. So in Austin, 2013, pretty recent. It was not that far ago. Our city was, for a time, the largest city in America that did not have city district representation. It blew my mind when I found this out. And it took Democrats and Republicans and independents working together to actually right that wrong, to ensure that different districts among the city were represented. And that's our call. That's our call to recognize some of the systems that can sometimes unintentionally or even, un even intentionally marginalize and oppress. Would we be willing to start hearing those stories, to become aware of the realities around us. Dr. Brenda Salter McNeil writes this, I cannot say that I love people if I don't care about the systems that negatively affect them. I cannot say that I love people if I don't care about the systems that can negatively affect them. Are we awake to those realities? Are we willing to step in? The third A is acknowledgement. Acknowledgement that, yes, there is sometimes injustice among us and between us. In Christ's body, yeah, we're called to be united. We're called to be one body. But that is not a call to uniformity. We are called to be together, united as one. We are not called to become suddenly uniform, to look exactly like the other person or the other community. 
In scripture, we actually see the disciples acknowledging that there are power structures out there, that there are differences among them. In the early church, in Acts, actually, we see that the Gentiles are crying out and saying, hey, you're overlooking the widows among us. And so work was done. They listened to stories as realities were unearthed and seen and acknowledged. The disciples chose to create a new team, to start a new structure so that the injustice among them was corrected and made right. What would that look like for us today? I think it might look something like this. I mean, say you're in a life group and you're wrapping up your time together. You've had a great group together. And someone says, hey, can you pray for me? Can you pray for me? Because I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen to my health insurance in the days to come. And instead of just saying, well, wait, 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 that's, that's too political. We don't talk about that here. What if instead we chose to be like Jesus? We stepped in and said, I want to listen to your story. What if we, even if we have a different thought, a different perspective on insurance today. We chose to say, yeah, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to hold some of your experiences together with mine. I'm going to empathize, sit in your seat for a second. Imagine how our, our communities would be different if we did, it, if we did that kind of thing. Right? Let's grow in acknowledging each other. The fourth is advocacy. Advocacy means we are committed as the people of God to reconciliation and to justice. There are things in this world that really should not be. Maybe when you look at your own life, you, you discover, yeah, this relationship that's so tattered right now, that should not be the way that it is right now. So I'm going to do some work. I'm going to pursue reconciliation and justice with this person. It's hard for us to do that, even with the people that we love. It's even harder for communities that we may not identify with, right? Think about the children, the women, the men who are daily being sex trafficked because of their socioeconomic disadvantage, right? Can we step into that? Can we advocate? I was shocked when I found out that LGBTQ youth who already encounter some of the greatest difficulties around when they step into our churches, data reveals that they are four times more likely to struggle with suicidal ideation and depression. Four times more likely than if they were just outside of a community that's focused on Jesus. That breaks my heart because that should not be. Our community should be the safest havens of all. And yet somehow we've moved away from that. And I love that here at Gateway, we are committed to learning our way forward, to pursue reconciliation and justice. I was actually just talking with a black brother of mine, Marco. He was sharing with me that over the past 10 years here at Gateway, he has seen our community move forward to recognize that representation matters. He's been able to see us pursue reconciliation more. And we're not perfect. We haven't figured it all together. And we haven't done it in the exact right way, but we're willing to move forward together. And he so appreciates that. Are you willing to do that work too? Are you willing to step in? Because as the people of God, we have a responsibility 
to actually call out violence and injustice among us. And that's hard. I want to be silent sometimes. I'd much rather just sit on the sidelines, kind of do the, the toss away. But God desires so much more for you and me today. We talk about how this community is a come as you are people. What does that even mean? Come as you are. Come as you are people are committed to accepting. We are committed to acceptance. We choose to actually become aware of each other, to do things like we did this morning. I see you and I'm here. Come as you are people, acknowledge that there are differences among us. And we choose to advocate for one another. So when you begin to see your relationships unravel, when you see those threads coming apart, remember that it's not a sweater that we just get to throw away. It's not some sweater that I get to slap back on and pretend nothing is broken about this. No, it's the very body of Christ that's hurting. It's our bones, our limbs that are breaking. We are bleeding out. And friends, it's, it's really time to stop the bleeding, to stop the hurting, to step in and say, God, your heart for reconciliation matters to me. And I'm willing to accept others. I'm willing to acknowledge the places where I have been silent. I'm willing to work out reconciliation with my, my brother, with my sister, with another community that's different from my own. The path isn't gonna be easy, but nothing that's worthwhile is ever easy. So let's stop pretending. Let's stop pretending that we're sweaters. Let's start becoming and being the body of Jesus, a reconciled community focused on justice, moving forward, always reconciling with each other. Let's be the body of Christ, friends. As we sing this next song, I just invite you to have an open heart and to take that next step, whatever it looks like for you. Thanks, friends.